0: Welcome. We are so glad that you're here. Um, I hope that you're gathered together with people that you care about uh, and ready to worship the Lord. Would you stand or, um, I don't know, just sit up straight on your couch as we, as we hear our call to worship from Psalm 111 this morning.
1: Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart, in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever.
2: He has caused his
1: wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, in giving them the inheritance of the nations.
2: The works of his hands are faithful and
1: just. All his precepts are trustworthy,
2: they are established forever and ever
1: to be performed with the faithfulness and uprightness. Uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And those who practice it have a wonderful understanding. His praise endures forever. The word of the Lord. And all the people said amen.
4: Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are, um, are being guarded through faith and salvation, uh, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice through, through now, is, uh, now for a little while, if necessary, you have been um, grieved by various trials, so that, you, the, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor in the revelation um, of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you loved him. Though you have not now seen him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is unexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith and salvation um, of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Be
1: to God. How great is our God.
5: Wow.
6: Privilege and a gift to be able to pray with you these past couple weeks. Again, thank you to everybody um, who's been able to take and post your prayer requests on the Cordova Naz Prayer and Resource Line. Shall we collect and gather those prayers here and now? Lord our God, we are grateful this morning, being able to come and worship you at this time, even in this way, and to give you thanks and praise for the way that you've created and made all things, that even when things were yet formless and void, so you sent your spirit to hover over them to begin to breathe and make new life, bring forth out of the ground, Lord, even ourselves and our bodies.
2: I want to thank you, Lord, that even as creation sinned and fell,
6: as it experiences the brokenness of what it means to have separated itself from you to have gone in a different path, that, Lord, even as we experience suffering in this time of separation and isolation, yet you are breathing forth again and making this new creation. Lord, we want to continue to lift up um, just all of our leaders in this time, uh, for all those that have been put into positions of authority in thanksgiving, Lord for the way that even the Payment Protection Program has tried to help shore businesses around us that we rely, that we depend on, to hear, Lord. There's processing in those applications. Um, We want to continue to give you thanks, Lord, for um, our leaders who have tried to send out these economic impact payments to each and every person in, in our region and in our area, and hearing, Lord, and thankfulness that those are beginning to come into bank accounts. We want to continue to pray, Lord, as we often do for our leaders, that we might as citizens be able to receive, uh, with a sense of accountability and responsibility, use the gifts that are being given in these cases in ways um, to help strengthen our communities, to strengthen our families. Allow, Lord, those that need these kinds of stimulus and payments um, to receive them and do in just amounts of time, allow, Lord, that the leaders might continue to discern what's best in order for our uh, society as we make these adjustments, both now and for weeks to come, Um, how to get back on the right track and the right path to be able um, to spend time with one another and to allow those areas of our communities um, in schools, in teaching, in uh, community programs uh, to flourish once again. Lord, we want to pray for all those churches in this time. Having heard... The many who are struggling to be able to worship and not be able to do programs that they normally do that allow people to, to gather together and speak that word of peace and of joy in a world that seems so often to be lacking of those things. We want to ask, Lord, that you might allow your church, even in its um, all of its separate members, to in those places be able to speak that same peace of word and joy to those, Lord, that have most need to hear it. We want to continue to ask, especially, Lord, that we as Cordova, light in all the places and in all the ways that you'd have us speak that same word, peace and joy. We want to, Lord, pray for all the sick um, that we know, um, those that we know have been in the hospital during this um, uncertain time for, Andra's neighbor, John, and Melissa, Um For Rick and Debbie Mann, Lord, we want to continue to lift up Jackie Purley suffering from her fall. ask that you continue to work in her body. For Liz Francisco, as um, she's continued to try to find a way to ameliorate her health conditions and thankfulness, Lord, for uh, Debbie and Glenda as they care for her, just praying, Lord, that we as your church might be able to come beside them in spirit and
2: offer her up and ask,
6: Lord, that you would help her to recover. We want to pray for her. Um, Jim Dubois' granddaughters um, uh, for her horse, just asking that you would um, care for in whatever area or way it's been injured, that it might be um, restored to a fullness of its health. Um, Lord, we want to continue to lift up all the children in this congregation and more broadly, um, those in our community and our society, just um, asking in this sort of time of uh, mandatory retreat from school and trying to find alternative means of online uh, forms of education and formation, uh, that they might be able to continue to receive the gifts that you have given them, mature and grow in the paths that you would have set for them. Lord, for um, those who have passed on to be with you now in this time, both from COVID-19 and from the many other conditions that we face in this life that ultimately uh lead to us coming to be with you. Um, And maybe most specifically for Christina LaPorte-Cox's dad who was in the hospital and now has passed away this past week. We ask, Lord, that you might be able to receive them in the fullness of your love and that we might be able to entrust them to your care until that day when we are all gathered again. Allow us, Lord, to mourn and grieve as those who are not without hope and then be able to walk in the light of the example of those faithful who have departed, their their testimony and their witness, allowing that legacy to lead on in our lives. Lord, we want to lift up all these prayers, petitions, thanksgivings to you, knowing that you are faithful to hear them, that you will receive them, answer them, and fulfill them as is best for us. We pray all these things in your Son's name. Amen. The gospel reading for this morning is from John twenty. 19 through 31. On evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples, when they saw, the, were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came, so the other disciples told him we have seen the lord but he said to them unless i see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my fingers into the mark of
2: the, and place my fingers into his side
6: i will never believe eight days later his disciples were inside again and thomas was with them although the doors were locked jesus came and stood among them and said peace be with you
0: He built, He established, He weaved together, He called forth out of darkness and nothing, everything that is. Everything that is in this world and everything that is in any world. God created all. And after doing that, after creating all things, after calling forth all the animals and all the plants and separating the sky from the waters, putting the stars and the sun and the moon into their place to govern the seasons and the times, God took a lump of clay and he took that clay and formed it, molded it into the first human. The human was nothing before God took him out of the dirt. And then from that movement, God actually breathed into that human's nostrils life, breath, wind. The Hebrew and the Greek are both the same word for spirit and for wind. And he filled that clay, he filled that lump with life, with soul. And then he took that human being and and placed him, placed them into this garden. This garden that he had established as this kind of focal point for all of creation, that all of creation was ultimately to be lifted up and, and to be glorified into the same kind of life that the garden itself had. The garden was meant to become this this focal point for God's self-communication with his creation. It was a place that he walked and talked with his creation. It was a place that he poured out his love into his creation so that his creation might also then pour it back in worship and in service. And the call, the call for those created beings, those early humans was that they would be partners with God, that they would participate with God in extending His kingdom, extending that garden kingdom over all the earth, over all of creation, because the Garden of Eden was not everywhere at the beginning. The goal was to extend that sort of reign and rule over all the earth. And then from that extension, God wanted to see Partners, fellow rulers, fellow kings that he worked with, fellow queens that administered his kingdom, his love, his grace. And so he made humans curious and bold. He made he made us powerful and capable. He made people full of the ability to communicate with him both to hear and to respond, not to just dumbly watch him, but to engage and so he filled humanity with beauty and truth and goodness with a passion for justice with a capacity for love he filled them with an almost frightening glory more glorious than anything else in this whole world that he made and you never know it to look at our world Our world that is so often huddled together and afraid. Our world that responds with fear and lashing out. That responds out of emptiness and brokenness. Our world where a word that offends becomes a reason for war, a justification for violence. Our world where
2: the possibility of doubting somebody's
0: power and authority starts war, starts battle, starts brokenness. You never know it. You never know it. At least that's what the enemy wants you to think. That's the enemy's old argument is that How could you ever really know that God is good looking at the world as we see it? How how could you ever really know that God is a God of love when you look around and all you see is not love? That's his argument. His argument is that the world is so bad that nothing good ever really could have happened.
2: But see, we see
0: and we know that there is more going on. We're not the first people to be huddled up and, and isolated in our homes. We're not the first people to gather together and to be afraid of our neighbors because they might spread something threatening to us.
1: The early Christians
0: were in a similar position. First Peter, in 1 in Peter, Peter writes to a group of Christians who are under, undergoing one of the early persecutions. And there they are, huddled huddled in their upper rooms, maybe, or in their back rooms in, in, in ways that, you know, they don't want to be caught. They don't want to be seen. They don't want to be found out for what they're doing. They can't stop worshiping, but they also can't do it openly and publicly. And yet the response that they give and the response that Peter is going to put into their mouths is, go ahead and kill us. We know the one who raises the dead. If the worst that you can do is, is the same tool that every emperor, that every empire has, which is death, which is destruction, we know and we worship the God who has canceled death and destruction, who has defeated it on the cross. So go ahead, kill us. That doesn't mean anything to me. In Acts 2, Peter preaches his sermon, his first Christian sermon that he preaches to those Jews gathered from all over the world. Gathered right there in Jerusalem, where Jesus had very recently been killed and been raised.
2: And what is it that Peter
0: says? He, had loosed, he has loosed the pains of death because death could not hold him. Because this was a God, this was a Savior who was Savior over even death. That same Peter who preaches that sermon then says that you're going to suffer all kinds of trials. You're going to suffer all kinds of difficulty, but you know that that difficulty is only to purify and establish your faith, is only to purify and establish the salvation which you know is coming because of the God who has canceled death, because of the God who has defeated death. you know that that salvation is greater than any threat. That it's greater than any fear. That it's greater than any isolation. And so you can bear even this, knowing that on the other side, God will be faithful. Because against the argument of the enemy, we know that the resurrection is better than anything else in all of history has been bad. That nothing else has been so evil that its evil has overcome the goodness of the resurrection. That God would defeat death in Jesus Christ. Overwhelms and overflows any evil that we might be able to imagine or conjure or practice on our own. So in John 20, Jesus shows up. Just like the, disciples, the Christians that Peter goes to speak to, the disciples, those 10 apostles, Judas is not there, Thomas is not there. They're gathered together in this room behind a locked door. And Jesus appears to them in that room. And we don't know the how. We think we know the why. <laughs> we don't know how he does that. But, but the risen Christ is not bounded by these kinds of things. He's not bounded by walls or locked doors. And oftentimes we just kind of go, "What? What do you mean he's not bounded by walls or locked doors? Is, is he not physical? Yes, he's physical. He eats. He walks. He talks. He uses vibrations in the air to speak to people. He's not just transmitting messages into people's brains, into their minds. He's physical." But that physicality is is so submitted and so caught up and so alive to the mission of God that wherever and whatever God wants him to be, that's where he is. So he overcomes the fear. He overcomes the unwillingness. He overcomes the doubt of the disciples huddled together behind those locked doors. The Christian's response you see to all of these things is, bring all the doubt, bring all the fear, bring all the threat that you can, my God, was dead, and he still got up. My God was crucified, and he was still raised. So bring it on. We can persevere. We can last. We can make it through. There's never been any evil that's ever been as good as the resurrection. It's ever been as good as the salvation we have in Jesus. Jesus tells them two things. He does two things. The first is that he speaks this word, peace. You might have heard it. It's the Hebrew word shalom. It's a word that doesn't just mean we're not swinging swords at each other anymore. It doesn't just mean that guns aren't firing or that we're not technically in a state of war. Peace means more than just a family isn't actually fighting one another. It means that God's wholeness has broken in. That that kind of hope that we have in the resurrection is what animates and brings alive all that we do. His peace doesn't just mean a cessation of violence, an end of violence. It means the beginning of new life. When Jesus says the words peace, he's reminding those apostles, those disciples, Of the garden. He's reminding them of the words in the Lord's Prayer Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That this whole earth is meant to be an extension of God's garden kingdom, of his peace, of his way. And the apostles, then, he says, are sent. He says I am as the father has sent me I am sending you that you are actually to be that peace in the world you are to be the embodiment you're to be the example you're to be that peace in the world I'm sending you out in this mission and how does he say you're going to do this forgiveness that wherever you go whatever you forgive I will forgive or remember, these are people whose very lives are at stake, and yet they serve and they worship the God who them one who forgave the ones who killed him. Forgiveness. Can you forgive the ones who are after your life today? That was the character and the nature of the church. Can we do the same? Forgive those who come after us, who come after our hope, who come after our faith, who come after our peace, to look at them and still say, God bless you. I want what God wants for you. My desire in my heart is that you would find peace and wholeness in Christ's kingdom. I can't do that on my own. It's too hard. It's too much. I hold too many grudges. I have
2: too many opportunities to lash out at
0: people. But Jesus doesn't just tell them to go forgive. He does something else. He, he breathes on them. And it's kind of a funny image. <laughs> I mean, we don't do a lot of breathing on each other. I don't know that Jesus did a lot of breathing On people either, but it's real significant here. He breathes. And John knew Genesis. Remember, John starts his whole gospel with the same words as Genesis in the beginning. Then instead of talking about the world, he talks about the Word, Christ. And so when Jesus, the new Adam, the risen Lord. God incarnate, God who has redeemed all things that are flesh, God who has redeemed the world. When when this God then breathes, it's like he's taking that lump of clay. Only it's not the lump from the earth that he picked up and formed into the first human. Instead, it's this broken lump of disciples. He breathes into them. And they go from being dead flesh, fearful, scattered, to being alive, to being full of the Spirit, to being the very church that God has always wanted His people to be, those disciples, those apostles are sent out in that name, in that power, in that spirit into the world to do the forgiving that God has been eager to do through his son, Jesus Christ, to to offer that forgiveness to the world, to let people know how that forgiveness is now available to them and then to model it in their life so that those who did not witness the gospel itself, who did not witness the crucifixion, who did not witness the risen Christ are still invited Into that living body. That's what God has done in Jesus, and that's what God does through his church. It's it's what Jesus does as he breathed his spirit out into these apostles, is to say, to remind them that I don't want clay. I actually want you to be a living being. I want you to be a keeper of this garden. Remember, I want you to be a partner with me. I want you to be curious. I want you to be bold. I want you to be powerful and capable. Capable of self-communication. Capable of honesty and of receiving honesty. I want you to be a people and a church who are open to beauty and to truth and to goodness whose, whose justice is alive to the justice of God who bear this almost frightening glory. That if people saw you as I see you he'd be tempted to fall down and worship. That's something C.S. Lewis said.
2: That if we could actually
0: see the glory in each created being as God created us, we'd be tempted to fall down and worship. He's not talking about famous people. He's not talking about fancy people or powerful people. He's talking about you and me everyday folks, that the glory of God, the glory of the creator of the universe,
2: because of his goodness, not
0: ours, has been built into each one of us, and yet we still have this temptation to let the evil one win,
2: to believe
0: the lie that we're made for less, but what the resurrection is convicted of and convicts me of is the fact that I'm created for more. I'm created for God's world. You're created for God's world. You're not only created to be placed in it, you are created as an example of it. God wants you to be a worshiper, a partner, a glorious example of his love for this world. But you got to bring your locked doors. You got to bring your darkness. You got to bring your fear and admit your difficulty. You gotta bring everything that you are. And when we do that, God begins to take it and restore it. God begins to crucify it with Christ and to raise us up to new life. I wonder if you, as a part of the church, have heard this a hundred times and yet, and yet you struggle. You struggle to believe it, you struggle to live it. I wonder how long it's been since you've thrown yourself. On His mercy, since you put yourself at His feet and said, "Lord, take me and use me and make me more than I can make myself," and I wonder how long it's been since you've called out in desperation to Him and asked to be a part of that resurrected world, that resurrection kind of creation. Because, friends, we are not made for death. We are made to go forth. We are made to be sent as God the Father sent the Son, and as we do, to call the dead to life. Would you do that with me today? Would you commit yourself to this mission, calling the dead awake? Let's pray. Lord God in heaven, you have been good and kind to us. You have refused to allow us to devolve and fall into the destruction that we see in this world. instead, Lord God, you've been so committed
2: to our life and to the hope that we have in you that you sent your son, Jesus, to die,
0: to be raised. And now, Lord, I just... Pray that any of us who need that new life today, who need to be resuscitated, who need to be resurrected, who need to be brought back to life, whether we're believers in you already and and we need to come to you yet again, Lord, or, or whether this is something totally new for us and we need you to breathe your spirit into us for the first time, that we might experience the miracle of your salvation, Lord, would you help us to pray with you today? Lord Jesus Christ, I confess and I let go of my death. I confess that that I have longed for the death that I create more than the life that you give. And I believe, Lord God, that your resurrection is is a better thing than any evil we've been able to conjure, Lord God. that your goodness so overwhelms and so overcomes the evil of of this world that I put myself at your feet praying and asking for your mercy. Would you take me? Would you use me? Would you become the Lord and the King of my life? Help me to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. The communion supper instituted by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is a sacrament which proclaims his life, his death, and resurrection, and the hope of his coming again. It shows forth the Lord's death until his return. The supper is a means of grace in which Christ is present by the Spirit. It is to be received in reverent appreciation and gratefulness for the work of Christ. All those who are truly repentant, forsaking their sins, and believing in Christ for salvation are invited to participate in the death and resurrection of Christ. We come to the table that we may be renewed in life and salvation and be made one by the Spirit. Lord God, we are so deeply in need of your grace, we come to this meal, Father, desperately asking for your help, for your hope, that you might shed your life and your light on us, we pray in Jesus' name. Holy God, we gather at this year's table in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who by your Spirit was anointed to preach good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captive, set at liberty those who are oppressed. Christ healed the sick, fed the hungry, ate with sinners, and established the new covenant for forgiveness of sins. We live in the hope of his coming again. On the night when our Lord was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
2: And likewise,
0: after supper, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of our faith, that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. And so we gather as the body of Christ to offer ourselves to you in pray. And thanksgiving, pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on the body and blood of Christ, and on these your gifts. Make them by the power of your spirit to be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one in Christ, one with each other, and one in the ministry of Christ to all the world until Christ comes in final victory. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, broken and shed for you, preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Receive this in remembrance that Christ died for you and be thankful.
5: to the sky, your righteousness is like a mighty mountain, yeah, your justice flows
0: It is so good to be able to worship with you today. Um, I pray that all is well where you are um, and hope that you're continuing to find ways to engage with what we're doing here um, that are life-giving, that are encouraging you to
2: deeper faithfulness,
0: to hope, um, and to concrete action in the world. Um, I I challenge you to find a way, whether it's donating blood, um, contributing, to a fund, writing a note to your neighbor, scrawling something in sidewalk chalk so that those that walk by can be encouraged, do something this week that is going to to build and develop the capacity of the people of God to respond to our call, to to love and to care for people so that when we ultimately are calling them to receive the forgiveness of Christ, that they find themselves eager to come into that life. Um. We encourage you to join with us, especially on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock on Zoom, Wednesday mornings at 7 o'clock for prayer, uh, and and Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock for Bible study. So Wednesdays, 7 7. And um, you can find those links on our Facebook page. We'll also make sure that they're in the emails that get sent out. If not, go ahead and give me a call. Let me know. Knock on my door. Bug me. um, And we want to make sure that we continue to stay connected through all of this. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all. Go in peace.